Hi there. Welcome back to the This Human Life podcast. I'm Melissa Nova and this is the companion podcast to the book This Human. We've been reading through the book progressively. We're now up to chapter three, which is all about expression. And you can follow along if you have a copy of the book. Uh, If you don't have a copy of the book, that's also fine. Hopefully the things that we cover are interesting to listen to regardless. So let's get stuck into it. We're on page 79, starting chapter three, which is called Expression. It's all about communication. I often talk about at Huddle, I usually talk about our work is only as good as how well we communicate it. So communication in the role of leadership or human-centered design in my, you know, according to me, is a, a critical capability. So let's dive in. On page 80, there's a, I've used these sort of flow diagrams, I think is the best way to describe them, as a, almost like an orientation for the entire chapter. And it sort of loses its power a little bit in just its audio form because it's, you know, designed as a bit of a mind map, but I'll have a crack at reading it out and hopefully you'll get a sense of what's in this chapter. Express yourself with authentic self-expression and integrity and courage to create meaningful realities through communication with intent and clarity, which enables you to be effective And being effective also means being empathic and generative with your listening. By communicating with intent and clarity, you're also able to create understanding, provide inspiration and feedback. And communicating in that way also helps you to give and receive criticism and critique. So basically... That sounds all a bit jumbled without the arrows and the things pointing to each other. But in this chapter, we're going to cover everything from self-expression and being able to express yourself and some frameworks to be able to help you get your thoughts together before doing that, you know, important client presentation or pitching a project internally within your organization to get human-centered design up and running or to take a different approach all the way through to listening and different forms of listening, um, listening to listening. Uh, you can stay tuned for that episode. It's fascinating. And also thinking about criticism and critique and the difference between the two and when we're giving critique, what's good hygiene, critique hygiene. <laughs> all right, let's get stuck in. Page 81. Your ability to express yourself is directly linked to how much impact your work has. It is important to connect with your intention to communicate and be aware that listening is also an important communication tool. Learning to give and receive criticism and critique is a vital element of self-leadership as well. The ability to communicate effectively is not a nice to have when solving human challenges. It is a critical capability that can be learned, practiced and mastered. This chapter provides frameworks, tools, and checklists to help you effectively communicate your ideas and findings to any audience. They will help you prepare yourself and your audience to receive essential information in the most impactful way possible. Okay, page 82. Communicating with intent. We communicate all the time for many different reasons. 
This chapter focuses on the intention behind the way you communicate your findings, insights, ideas and concepts. It describes how you can think and be to ensure that your vision for your idea or your knowledge about an insight is inspiring, clear and appropriate. Note that while the ideas in this book are being presented to you in a linear way, none of this work is actually linear, especially the topic of communication. Your intentions inform how you communicate with your audience. They influence everything from what you say, when and how you say it, to who you say it to. When you've spent weeks doing research and your mind is full of really interesting findings, it can be hard to know when to stop talking about them. Connecting with your intention before you create your communication approach is essential. It focuses you and stops you communicating things that aren't necessarily going to strengthen your impact. Generally, we view communication as a stimulus response process. I say something to you and you respond by saying something back. When you are dealing with complex human scenarios with the intention of creating profound and positive meaningful change, this model of communication is not sufficient. In order to become more adept at transferring the knowledge you have gained through your work, you need to look deeper into what is actually happening when you do communicate. This is how you will have a long-lasting impact on those you are communicating with. So I think intention is really important when we are setting out to communicate anything, really. I mean, obviously, it's very important in the context of human-centered design and leadership, but, you know, intentional uh, communication is something that is quite pervasive, And I think being deliberate about your intention sets up the listening for yourself and for the other person as well. Just the way that you hold yourself, the words that you choose, the order in which you say things, the way that you respond to questions and comments and critique really creates a a space for dialogue to emerge. Um, Often we walk into situations, especially at work, say we're on the hop and we're running from meeting to meeting without necessarily considering the intention with which we want to communicate. And I don't mean communicate just in terms of transmit. We're going to get to that later in the chapter. When I use the word communicate, I'm actually talking about a two-way exchange. There's actually a beautiful story. Now, I have the habit of telling stories and then realize that I've actually written about them later on in the chapter, but I'll risk it, about the way that the Native American Um, peoples used to hold meetings between tribes that the chiefs used to sit in circle and the custom was to stand when you when it was your turn to talk or you had something to say and the intention with which the person spoke was with the intention to be understood and the other chiefs who remained seated listened with the intention to understand Now, even just that really simple story and framing around having the intention to talk in a way that has you be easily understood and equally importantly, to listen with the intention to understand the other person's perspective, I think would create such peace (laughs) and, you know, result to less crosswires and unnecessary questioning of other people's uh, motives and stuff especially when we need to find a way through conflicting perspectives 
So on page 83, there's another exercise, exercise 3.1, and it talks about communication directions and intentions. This is a model that we created a while ago when we, and when I say we, I'm talking about Huddle. When we first started Huddle, we had a very keen focus on our communication design capability because we really did believe that we could do the world's most amazing work, but if we couldn't communicate it in a language that actually help people understand or implement anything that we found, then we may as well not have done the work in the first place. So we basically created a, a framework, which I describe on page 83, where you think about the different directions that you need to communicate your work. So there's a diagram with your meaningful work in the center um, with a line going up to leadership, a line going across to collaborators and a line going down to the action team. So let me read that out. Communication directions and intentions. Use the intentional communication framework below to know what you need to communicate to which person to ensure you're effective in getting the right message to the right audience. This framework will help you think about the audience, their needs and your role in communicating with them intentionally. Knowing the intention behind your communication will inform the medium you choose and this may differ depending on your audience. So when you're communicating to leadership, typically the intention there is to inform because you're seeking direction or something. So let me see, let me just read what I've written. Leadership, a group of people who provide direction and make key decisions that directly impact your work. The intention is to inform them so they can make decisions. They don't need to know the details of your methods or findings. So anyway, I'll talk about the thing I was about to say at the end. Okay, so your collaborators. So these are the people that go horizontally across and the intention there is to align so your collaborators and partners are essential to the success of your work they provide valuable input and help you make it a reality this group also includes the all-important customer cohort the intention is to align the collaborators with the work that needs to happen and their specific contribution outcomes and approach are important and obviously when you see customer as collaborator it automatically puts you into a co-design stance. And then the communication to the action team. So this is a group of people that includes you. This team is accountable for making this work a reality in the world. The intention is to inspire the team to act, connect them with a sense of purpose, direction and approach, provide clarity around the plan of action. So just by uh, thinking about the different groups that you need to communicate your work to and understanding their role in the creation of the change or the impact that the work is there to serve helps you think about everything about the way that you communicate the medium are you going to use a one pager or a pack or is it a detailed report and the time do you have 15 minutes or three hours the level of detail you go to the language that you use who's in the room all of those things are informed by your audience and the intention and it's actually a really quick framework to use it doesn't require 
a lot of time. It just brings intentionality to your communication. On the following page, page 84, actually we talk about medium. So exercise 3.2, be considerate of your medium. Communication is a creative process in this sense. The word creative means the act of going from something that doesn't exist to something that does. A concept that was once unknown becomes known through the act of communication and we can choose to be innovative and original in the way that we convey it. There is more room for creativity in the communication of research findings than we allow for. The topics we inquire about are important, so we treat them respectfully. It is possible to enjoy yourself while remaining respectful to the topic, access your imagination, your art and your craft, and present your work in a way that makes it enjoyable for your audience and you. Tip. When choosing the medium and using your creativity to form your communication, remember to use the intentional communication framework and design with the audience in mind. So some examples of this, you know, we we typically uh, default to some sort of slide deck. Thankfully, that's becoming less and less a requirement. But, you know, slides with bullet points and talking points and, and all of that sort of stuff. A lot of the time in the field of human-centered design, we're trying to connect people with other people's stories so that we can build connection and understanding and share perspectives and share the realities of other cohorts that we're designing for. And one of the best ways to do that is through story, by telling the actual stories of the people that you've done work with or you've researched. And a PowerPoint slide with the bullet points of the story takes away from the emotive content of the story so consider doing things like don't use a slide connect with people individually look at them in the eyes as you're telling the story of the people that you're designing with and for it's these sorts of things that have the the things that you share memorable and do so in a way which is informed by and empathic to your audience another another thing that I often see is people who are qualified and and experienced practitioners in the field of human-centered design will use the language of the discipline to be able to communicate what it is that they have found and there could be people in the room that are technologists and business analysts and finance people who you know don't understand the terminology that is native to to the discipline so it's really important to level the language to be able to communicate the depth and breadth of the work but without complicating it unnecessarily okay let's move on so um still on page 84 communicate to create communicating with people is something most of us do every day and largely take for granted The importance of communication to your work is underestimated, especially in the realm of meaningful work and reimagining realities. When you communicate, you create realities for yourself and for others. The simple act of asking someone for a glass of water creates a reality in which you can drink and relieve your thirst. The act of asking someone to leave you alone creates a reality in which you are on your own. Seeing the power of communication through this lens of reality creation gives it much more importance. This requires you to be present and accountable for what it is that you're actually communicating, and more importantly, how 
it is being communicated. Authentic self-expression, integrity and courage are fundamental to ensuring you effectively create meaningful realities through communication. Authentic self-expression. You might think that during your work, particularly the research stage, you need to provide an objective view of your findings. This is essential and true. But when it comes to the process of communication, you can get personal. If you communicate from your researcher persona, you put up a barrier to connection. It's important to connect with your audience as a human being. An authentic expression of what you found in your research will resonate with your audience. Your authenticity makes it easy for them to connect with you and your work. You know, I'm going to say this probably many times as I reconnect with this book and read you um, the words that I've written, you know, three or four years ago. I know it's a quote in here somewhere, but the be a person, not your role. It is so fundamental to be able to show up as a human being, especially in this work, especially in these times and especially as a leader and to not show up as the chief whatever or the lead something and to just show up as you as a human and to be able to connect with the work from that place and communicate with people from that place. The experience that I've had in witnessing people do that and also you know, I naturally occupy that space when I communicate anyway. I just find that it's so much easier to understand what concerns people might be having with some of the things that they're hearing or be able to spark some curiosity and some inspiration with the work and a renewed connection and energy with what you're all in the room trying to trying to do. It's really, really, it's really um, critical, I think. And the next uh, section is about integrity and courage, which we'll cover in the next episode. But I think one of the one of the things that I might leave you with to ponder and reflect on is I believe that showing up as yourself, as a person, not your role, is is actually an act of courage and being clear on who you are, what your values are, what's okay, what's not okay, what you believe in, which is what all of this work in this human is all about equipping you with. It's fundamental to be able to find that courage to actually just show up as yourself and to say to say what needs to be said. So anyway, on that note, I will bid you farewell. Thank you for listening. And I'll be back in the next episode to continue on with the uh, with chapter three, all about communication. Thanks for listening.